We're going to be learning in Chidushe Maron Riz HaLevi, the first piece in Hilchos Chanukah. This is Perak Gimel Halacha Vav. And even though this is placed in Hilchos Chanukah, it actually has very little to do with Chanukah. It's about more broadly the concept of Hallel, and Reb Velvel develops two different types of Hallel, but it specifically focuses on the Hallel that we say at the Seder on Pesach. So it actually has more to do with Pesach than Chanukah. But either way, Reb Velvel is going to develop some very very important ideas in how to think about halal and the different types of halal that there are. The Rambam writes, Velo halal shal Chanukah bilvad, sofrim. Not only halal on Chanukah is drabanan, and that's obvious because the whole holiday of Chanukah to begin with is drabanan. So obviously the obligation of halal on Chanukah is drabanan. But says the Rambam, sofrim. Halal is always drabanan. Bechol hayamim shigomrim bahem halal. On all days that we complete the halal. So even on Pesach and Sukkot, days which are Torah holidays, but the obligation of halal is only drabanan. So that's the Rambam's view that halal is a drabanan obligation. Now the Ravid disagrees. He says, The Ravid argues that it's not a drabanan. It was instituted by the prophets because the Pasuk of Hashir Yihiyelachem, you should have a song, refers to halal. So this is a higher level of a drabanan. It was not instituted later in Jewish history after the Tanakh, but it was instituted by the prophets. It's called Divrei Kabbalah. So according to the Ravid, that is the status of Hallel. Now, the Magid Mishnah answers the approach of the Rambam, and he explains that even though the Ravid is quoting the Gemara in Arvei Psachim, which says, Nevi'im tiknu Hallel al kol tzara shinig alin mimena, the prophets instituted Hallel when the Jews are saved from a crisis. So it does sound like the Ravid, that the obligation of Hallel comes from the Nevi'im, not from the later Chazal, but the Magid Mishnah explains that the Gemara is talking about when there's an actual crisis. So then the Nevi'im said that to thank Hashem for saving us from the crisis, we have to say Hallel. But we say Hallel on set times, at Pesach, at Sukkot, there's a whole list in the Gemara in Erchin. So those set times are not in the decree of the Nevi'im, but that's Drabanan. So that's how the Rambam understands the Gemara in Pesachim, that the Nevi'im instituted Hallel when we're saved from an immediate crisis, but the halal that we say during the set times of the year is drabanan. Now, Reb Velvel asks on the Magid Mishnah's explanation because the Gemara in Psachim Kuf Yud Zayin says, Amr Avud Amr Shmuel, the halal zem mi amro. Who instituted halal? Nevi'im shebeinehem tiknu lahen Yisrael. So he answers that the prophets instituted halal. Shihu omrin oso al kol perek u perek val kol tzara u tzara shlotavo alehen. The Nevi'im instituted that the Jews should recite halal on two occasions. On a perek u perek at certain set times, as well as when there's a tsara, a crisis. When the Jews are saved from crisis, so then they recite Halal. So the Gemara refers to two times at certain intervals, kol perek uperek, and when there's a crisis. So the Rashbam explains what is the perek uperek. It refers to the holidays, the shalosh regalim. So according to the Rashbam, the Nevi'im instituted two types of Halal. One, when the Jews are saved from crisis, and second, to be recited 
extended on each of the holidays. So that goes against the Magid Mishnah's explanation that the Gemara only is talking about a crisis Hallel. The Nevi'im said to say Hallel when there's a redemption, but it's not talking about the holidays Hallel, and that's only Drabanan. But here the Gemara, the way the Rashbam interprets it, seems to be talking about both Hallel after a crisis, as well as Hallel on Yantif. And all of them were instituted by the Nevi'im, which is Divrei Sofrim, like the Ravid said. So we have to understand what is the view of the Rambam. So Reb Velvel answers the Ravid's question on the Rambam that Halal is not a Drabanan, it's Divrei Kabbalah, and he says that there are two types of Halal. And this is based on the Ran in Psachim, who quotes from Rav Hai Gaon, that there is no Bracha on the Halal that we recite at the Seder. So ordinarily, when we say Halal at the times that we're required to, like Pesach or Sukkot, there is a Bracha beforehand, either Ligmar Sahalel or Likroes Sahalel, but we make a bracha on the recitation of Halel as we do before other mitzvahs. But the Halel at the Seder night does not have a bracha because Rav Hai Gaon explains it's not a mitzvah to read the Halel. The mitzvah is to say Shira, to sing a song, which happens to be Halel. So that is the song that we do sing, but we're not saying it as a form of saying Halel, we're saying it as a form of singing. So that's why the halal at the Seder is described as lefichach anu chayavim lahodos ulahalal. We are required to give praise and halal to Hashem for what he did, but we're not saying halal. We're saying those words of halal as a shira. So Rav Haigon is teaching us that there are two forms of halal. There's the standard form of halal that we're obligated to say on the holidays and other times, and that comes with a bracha beforehand. And then there is another form of halal, which is shira, which is obligatory at the Seder, because the Karban Pesach needed to be eaten with shira, with halal. So to commemorate that, we also recite halal at the Seder. But since that halal is not a recitation, it's a Shira, so we don't make a bracha on that hollow. So now this distinction will answer the question of the Ravid. The Ravid is correct in saying that there is a form of Halel, which is Midivrei Kabbalah, the Nevi'im instituted it, and it's derived from the Pasuk of Hashir Yihiyelachem, but that Pasuk is referring to Halel of Shira, because the end of the Pasuk is Kalel Hiskade Shchag, at the night of the holiday, so that's a reference to the Seder, so that Pasuk is referring to Halel of the Seder, which is a form of Shira, so the Nevi'im instituted that Halal. It has the status of Divrei Kabbalah. But the Rambam here is talking about the regular Halal that we say on the holidays, not the Seder night Halal, because the Rambam says that there's a bracha on this Halal. So that bracha is only on the Halal of Kriya that we say as a recitation of Halal on certain holidays of the year. So that Halal, the Rambam says, is Divrei Sofrim, that is Drabanan, it's different than the other type of Hallel, which is Shira, which is Divrei Kabbalah. So that explains why the Rambam calls Hallel Drabanan, not Divrei Kabbalah of the Nevi'im. And in the parentheses, Rav Velvel adds that it seems from the language of the Rambam that he agrees with Rav Hai Gaon, that one does not make a bracha on the Hallel of the Seder, because the Rambam lists the 18 days that one says Hallel with the bracha, but he does not mention the Seder Hallel. So it sounds like 
Rav Hai Gaon that there is no bracha on the Hallel at the Seder, only on the 18 days of the year when we have to say Hallel. And also in the 8th chapter of Chametzu Matzah, where the Rambam goes through the Seder, he rules that there is no bracha on the Hallel at the Seder, like Rav Hai Gaon. So the Rambam follows in Rav Hai Gaon's approach. So that means there is a difference between Hallel of Kriya, reciting it, versus Hallel of Shira. So that's why the Rambam in this halacha says that the Hallel of Kriya is Midrabanan. It's not that he rejects the Hallel of Divrei Kabbalah, the Raivid's idea that the Nevi'im set up Hallel. He just limits that to the Hallel of the Seder night, which is Shira, because that's what the Pasuk of Ashir Yelachem is referring to. But the Hallel that he's describing now on the holidays is a Hallel of Kriya, so therefore it has a Bracha. So that is Drabanan. So this answers the Rambam's approach from the Ravid's question. Now, applying this back into the Gemara and Psachim, so Rab Velvel says that Rashi and the Rashbam explain that the Gemara says the Nevi'im established Hallel at two types of times. One is called Perek Uperek, at certain set times. So they understand that to mean the Shalosh Regalim, the holidays. And in addition, Al Koltzara Shalotavo, so that crisis shouldn't come. So when the Jews are redeemed. So Rashi and the Rashbam understand that to refer to Hanukkah. So according to them, the two times that are being referenced in the Gemara are both set times. The Shalosh Regalim, Pesach, Sukkot, and Shavuos, as well as Hanukkah, and they're referred to differently in ways that sum up the essence of the day. So Kolperek, Uperek, set times, refers to the set holidays of the Shalosh Regalim, and Koltzara Shalotavo, the redemption, refers to the redemption at the time of Hanukkah. So according to Rashi and the Rashbam, those are the days that the Gemara is saying that the Nevi'im set up Hallel. Now, the Bahag, the Baal Halachos Gedolos, at the end of the laws of Lulav, makes an interesting comment which offers the possibility of a new way to understand this line in the Gemara. The Bahag says that when the Gemara differentiates between a communal Hallel versus a Yachid, an individual, so the standard way to understand that is it's referring to someone that has a minion. So a communal Hallel, Rabim, refers to when there's a minion, and a Yachid, an individual Hallel, refers to less than 10 men. The Bahag, though, gives a totally different twist on this. The Bahag says that a Yachid refers to one shul. So whether there's a hundred or a thousand men, well more than a minion, that's still considered a private Hallel. What is the communal Hallel of Rabim? So the Bahag says that's when the whole Jews are saying Hallel because they've all been saved. So according to the Bahag, the Gemara is not differentiating between a minion versus individuals. It's differentiating between when all of the Jews faced a crisis versus a community or a single person. So when all of the Jews face a crisis, that Hallel has a special status. And according to the Bahag, if all the Jews feel that they were saved from crisis, then they can say Hallel whenever they want. An individual only says Hallel when there is an institution to say Hallel on that day. 
But when all of the Jews have a crisis and they're redeemed, so then they can all choose to say Hallel, even though it was not instituted by the prophets or the rabbis. So now, says Rab Velvel, according to this line in the Bahag, there is another way to interpret the Gemara. When the Gemara says that the Nevi'im instituted Hallel for each parak for set times, that's a reference to all 18 days when we say Hallel on the Jewish calendar. Not like Rashi and the Rashbam said that that phrase is referring to the Shalosh Regalim, the major Torah holidays. According to the Bahag, that phrase includes all the holidays on the Jewish calendar, the Shalosh Regalim, as well as Hanukkah. So all 18 days of full Hallel are all included in the first phrase. The second phrase of Al-Koltzara Shalotavo, when there's a crisis, that's referring to a communal crisis facing the entire Jewish people. And there is a second rule of the Nevi'im that when the entire Jewish people is redeemed from a dangerous situation, so at that time they also have to say Hallel, even though it's not one of the regular 18 days. And Rabbi Elbel says that afterwards he found that Rabbeinu Yerucham in Nesiv Yud Aleph writes the same thing. That this is the explanation of this line in the Gemara according to the Bahag. Now, Reb Velvel wants to know this special type of Hallel that the Bahag introduced when the entire Jewish people is redeemed from danger, so they're allowed to say a communal Hallel. The Bahag does not say that they must say Hallel at that point, but they are allowed to choose to say Hallel. So Reb Velvel says, is that type of Hallel a Kriya Hallel, that the point is to recite the Hallel, or is it a Shira Hallel? It's a way of singing using the words of Hallel. But that would mean that the Kriya Hallel is only on the 18 set days. So according to the second approach, there is no other form of Kriya Hallel except for the 18 days that the rabbis said. And if there is a communal crisis and all the Jews are saying Hallel, so that is a form of Shira. So Reb Velvel wants to understand this national Hallel of the Bahag, is that a form of Kriya or Shira? Which type of Hallel is that under the category of? So Reb Velvel brings a proof from the language of the Ramban in the Sefer HaMitzvot Shoresh Aleph. The Ramban explains this Pasuk of Hashir Yelachem Kalel Hiskadesh Chag, that you should say Hallel like the Seder night. And he explains that the Navi is saying that when the Jews are redeemed from a terrible enemy like Sancheirev, so at that point they should sing Hallel like they do on the Seder night when they're eating the Karban Pesach. So according to the Bahag, we understand exactly what the Ramban is saying. That when the Jews are saved from a dangerous situation, they should say Hallel under this Pasuk of Hashir Yelachem. And that Hallel is compared to the Hallel at the Seder night when we also celebrate our national redemption. So if we put this Ramban together with the Bahag, it comes out that the national Hallel is a form of Shira like the Hallel at the Seder night, not a form of of Kriya like the Hallel on the days of Yantif. So now all this brings us back to the original comment of the Magid Mishnah. All of this analysis is included in what he was saying. So Reb Velvel's conceptual framework 
helps to understand how the Magid Mishnah was trying to explain the Rambam, which is that the Raivitz Pasuk of Hashir Yihiyelachem says the Magid Mishnah, that's talking about the Hallel of Shira. So that could be at the Seder night, or it could be this national Hallel when the Jews are redeemed, but it's not referring to the Hallel on a holiday, which is what the Rambam is discussing, the Hallel on the 18 days. So that, according to the Rambam, is Drabanan. And that's not included in the Pasuk of Hashir Yihiyelachem. So the Magid Mishnah is trying to draw this key distinction between the Hallel of Shira versus the Hallel of Kriya on the 18 days. And that's how he's answering the Ravid's question on the Rambam. The Rambam agrees that there is a Hallel of the Nevi'im, but that's the Hallel of Shira, either at the Seder night or any time, even in contemporary times, if there is a national salvation. So that's one type of Hallel that comes from the Nevi'im. But then there is another type of Hallel of Kriya, which is what we do on the 18 days that the Gemara says to, and that, according to the Rambam, is only Drabanan. So this is a very nice interpretation of the Magid Mishnah's explanation for the Rambam, and it explains the Rambam's framework for Hallel. Now, the Talmidei Rabbeinu Yonah, in the beginning of the second chapter of Brachos, quote from Rabbeinu Tam, who also agrees with the Bahag, that there is a national Hallel for national redemption, but Rabbeinu Tam adds one twist. He believes that there is a bracha on this Hallel even though they would not read the full Hallel. So there are some views, and this is the practice of the Sephardim, to only make a bracha on Hallel when it's full Hallel. But on days when we say half Hallel, they do not make a bracha. So Rabbeinu Tam says that the national Hallel is an exception, that even though we don't say the full Hallel, there's still a bracha. So Rab Velvel asks, why should this be? The general rule is that we only make a bracha on full Hallel, not on half Hallel. And that's based on the Tosefta in the sixth chapter of Menachos, Halal Veshevach Utfila Ma'akvim Zeh which means that we only make a bracha on full Halal, not on half Halal. So, why should the national Halal be any different that even though it's not a full Halal, it still gets a bracha? Now, in the parentheses, Rab Velvel adds that even though Rabbeinu Tam himself holds that there is a bracha on half Halal, which is the practice of the Ashkenazim, but that has to do with a different issue. That has to do with making a bracha on a minhag, which Rab Velvel dealt with at length in the piece on Hilchos Brachos. So that's a separate question, and according to Rabbeinu Tam, one makes a bracha on a minhag. But the inherent halacha is that only full halal gets a bracha, not half halal. So why should the national halal, which is not a full halal, get a bracha? Says Rab Velvel, this makes sense according to his conceptual analysis, because this is not a halal of kriya. The whole principle that we only make a bracha on a full halal only applies to the halal of kriya. That's where the Tosefta says that if someone is saying full halal, then they should make a bracha. But for half halal, you don't make a bracha. But that has nothing to do with the halal of shira. That's a totally different category. And that type of halal doesn't need the full halal. It's still a song, even if someone only says part of the halal, because they sang that part and they fulfilled the obligation of Shira, as opposed to the Halal of Kriya, where only reciting part of it does not fulfill the obligation, so there is no bracha. But that whole idea that a partial Halal is not a full Halal only applies to the Halal of Kriya, where the mitzvah is to recite 
recite the whole halal. The halal of Shira, the mitzvah is to sing through the words of halal. So even only part of the words still fulfills the command of Shira. So that's why there's a bracha even on a partial halal of Shira. So that explains Rabbeinu Tam's view. And Rabbi Velvel brings a proof to this idea that when it's a halal of Shira, even a partial halal has the status of a full halal. So at Pesach time, there are three Hallels. There's the Hallel of the Seder night. There's the Hallel the next morning in davening because it's Pesach. It's one of the 18 days. And then there is a third Hallel when the people bring the Karban Pesach on Erev Pesach. So when they brought the Karban, the Levium would also sing Hallel. So the Mishnah describes that Hallel and it says that there were three shifts that the Jews would bring the Karban Pesach on Erev Pesach. Because there were too many people to bring it all at once, so they would divide them into three groups. So they would fill up the first shift, then they would fill up the second shift. So each of those shifts took a long time to get through everybody. But then the third shift was much smaller. There were only a few people left. So they would not end up finishing Hallel during the third shift, because since it went much more quickly, so the Levim would sing Hallel, but then everyone would be done. The shift would be over and the Levium would not yet have finished Hallel. So in the third shift, the Mishnah says that the Levium never ended up finishing Hallel and yet it didn't matter because there was no need to finish Hallel because since the Hallel when bringing Karban Pesach is a form of Shira, so it didn't matter if they finished the whole thing, even saying part of the Hallel was a way to fulfill that obligation of Shira. So we see from this Halacha that when it comes to halal of shira, it's not about finishing it. Even a part of it is like saying the whole halal. So that's why Rabbeinu Tam says that the national halal, even though it's not finished, you can still make a bracha on it. Now, the Ran in Psachim, who started off this whole discussion by quoting Rav Hai Gaon's distinction that halal at the Seder night is a form of shira, not kriya like the regular halal of the 18 days. And that's why there is no bracha on the halal at Seder night. So the Ran concludes that that's also the explanation of the other Gaonim, Rav Tzemach and the Ri. Now, the Mordechai quotes this, but very differently. The Mordechai again says that on the halal at the Seder night, there is no bracha. And he quotes that the Gaonim explained this because in the middle we stop and we eat. So the halal at the Seder night is split up. The first half is said at the end of Magid. And then the second half is recited after the meal during halal. So the Mordechai says based on this that the reason we do not make a bracha on halal at the Seder is because we stop in the middle of halal to eat our meal. And it's just like you're reading words but it's not an obligation of halal. And that's how Rav Tzamach and Rav Hai also explained that saying halal at the Seder is not a recitation. It's just like reading it. So that's why there's no bracha. So Rav Velvel asks, what is the Mordechai trying to say? He seems to be combining two unrelated reasons. There seem to be two different reasons in the sentence. One is because the halal has a meal in the middle. So because there's a break, there's no bracha. And the second is because it's just like reading something. It's not a recitation of halal. So either of those reasons independently would explain why there is no bracha on the halal at the Seder. Why does the Mordechai combine two unrelated reasons and seem to say that they work together? 
So says Rav Velvel very brilliantly based on what he just set up. So it explains what the Mordechai is trying to say as well. That because we eat in the middle of the halal, so we break it up. So it shows that this halal does not need to be recited in full. Even a part of the halal is a valid recitation. So that means it's not a halal of Kriya. It's a halal of Shira, as Rav Velvel just said in Rabbeinu Tam, that a halal of Shira can be even a partial halal. So the Mordechai is proving that point, which is the real reason, according to Rav Hai and Rav Tzemach, that one does not make a bracha on Hallel because it's not a Hallel of Kriya, it's a Hallel of Shira. And the proof is because since we take a break in the middle of Hallel and eat, so obviously we don't need to say the whole Hallel straight through as we would in a Hallel of Kriya. You can't eat a meal in the middle of Hallel at Shoal because that's a Hallel of Kriya. But a Hallel of Shira works differently than even a part of a halal counts for a halal. So that's why we're able to take a break in the middle of the Seder halal and eat a meal. So that means it's a halal of Shira and there's no bracha on the halal of Shira. So this explains the language of the Mordechai and why he combines these two themes together. Now, the Ramban in Psachim also quotes the reason of Rav Tzemach Gaon that we don't make a bracha on the Seder halal because we stop and eat in the middle. But the Ramban asks, why should that prevent a bracha? Because the halacha is that if someone makes a bracha on halal and then they take a break in the middle, they shouldn't have, but they start chatting or whatever, so they don't make another bracha when they continue reciting halal. Because since it's all one mitzvah, so the bracha at the beginning covers even the rest of the mitzvah, even though they took a break in the middle. So says the Ramban, we could apply the same thing to the Seder. Make a bracha before the halal, and even though there's a break, you can still continue after the meal based on that first bracha at the beginning of Hallel. So the Ramban asks on Rav Tzemach's approach that we don't make a bracha on Hallel at the Seder because there's a break in the middle, that why does that prevent a bracha? You could still make a bracha even though there's going to be a meal in the middle. Says Rav Velvel, obviously the Ramban's question is only the way he understood Rav Tzemach that he's giving a single reason, which is that since you eat in the middle of Hallel, there's no bracha. So it has to do with a hefsek. Since there's going to be a break, you can't make a bracha at the beginning of the first half. But according to the Mordechai, Rav Tzemach is trying to say something very different. That since there's going to be a break in the Hallel, it tells us what type of Hallel this is. It's not an issue that because there's a break, there can't be a bracha. It's that because there's a break, we now see that this Hallel is not a Hallel of Kriya. It's a Hallel of Shira, and the Hallel of Shira doesn't get a bracha. So according to the Mordechai's version of Rav Tzemach Gaon, the way Rav Velvel explains it, Rav Tzemach Gaon is not giving another reason why there's no bracha. Because there's a meal in the middle, he's just using that as an explanation for what the Ran quoted in the name of Rav Tzemach, that since there's a meal, so now we can prove that this is a halal of Shira, and a halal of Shira doesn't have a bracha. So according to the Mordechai's version of Rav Tzemach Gaon, the Ramban's question would be answered. And Rav Velvel ends in the final short paragraph that afterwards he found in the Sefer Bracha Mishuleshes on Brachos Lamed Hay in the Tosfos Rabbi Yudah Chassid and the Tosfos Harash that they say this same basic idea.
The Gemara there has a phrase, Ein Omrim Shira El Al Hayayin, that we don't say Shira except on wine. So Rabbi Yudah Chassid and the Rush point out that this is not literal. There are Shiras in Halacha that we say without wine, and they give examples, like the Halel at the slaughtering of the Pesach, an Erev Pesach, and the Halel at the Seder, and the Halel during war. So the examples that they give are two types of Halel. The Halel when bringing the Karban Pesach on Erev Pesach and the Halal that night at the Seder. So Rav Velvel asks, why are they only listing those two types of Halal? What about the Halal that we say in Shul on the 18 days? Why is that not in their list of Shiras that don't require wine? We don't recite that Halal over a cup of wine. So why are they limiting the list of Halals only to these two types of Halals and not the regular standard Halal of the 18 days? according to his whole analysis, so this makes perfect sense. They're talking about the Hallel of Shira because they're trying to say that not every Shira has wine. So the regular Hallel of the 18 days, the Hallel of the holidays is not a Shira, it's a Kriya. So that's not an example of a Shira without wine. The only Hallels that prove that point are the Hallel of the Shechita Sapesach and the Hallel of the Seder night, which are Shira, not Kriya, as Rabbi Velvel just explained in the whole piece, and still there's no wine. So this comment of Rabbi Yudah Chassid and the Rush also point in the direction of Rabbi Velvel's whole conceptual analysis. So this is Rabbi Velvel's explanation for the Rambam's view of Hallel and the status that Hallel has and what exactly the Nevi'im set up. Now, there's a lot of important points that Rabbi Velvel raises in this piece and we'll go through some of the key concepts and discuss them a little bit. One of the key issues that he raises is the status of the Hallel at the Seder. So Rabbi Velvel discusses three types of Hallel on Pesach. The Hallel while bringing the Karban Pesach on Erev Pesach the Hallel that night at the Seder, and the Hallel the next day as part of the 18 days when one has to say Hallel. And Rabbi Velvel differentiates that the first two Hallels while bringing the Karban Pesach and at the Seder are a form of Shira, and the Hallel over the rest of Pesach is a form of Kriya. So this is a very key distinction. And basically the way Rabbi Velvel formulates it, the model type of Hallel is when there is an immediate danger and the Jews are saved. So they say Hallel to thank Hashem and to praise Him. And that's sort of the role model of Hallel's. Now, that doesn't come up on a steady basis, obviously, but the Hallel that we have during the year, which reflects that, is the Hallel at the Seder night, because we're reliving the exodus from Egypt. So since we're in the moment, we recite Hallel as if we're celebrating the immediate redemption from Egypt. So it's like that type of national Hallel after a redemption of the Jewish people. Now, there is an additional type of Hallel, which the rabbis set up, so it's a lower level, it's Drabanan, to be recited on the holidays like Pesach and Sukkot and Hanukkah, and that Hallel reflects and thanks Hashem for his redemption, but it doesn't have the same immediacy as the first category of Hallel, which is said as a Shira. So according to Rabbi Velvel, the Hallel at the Seder night has a unique status of the Hallels throughout the year. Now, there is actually a fourth Hallel when it comes to Pesach, which is that the Masechus Sofrim suggests reciting Hallel in Shul 
on the Seder night before everyone goes home to the Seder. So according to this, there would be two Hallels on the Seder night, one in Shul after davening, and then people go home and have the Seder, and during the Seder, they recite a second Hallel. And the reason for the Hallel before the Seder, after Shul, seems to be to be able to make a bracha on Hallel that night, because as we said, there is a strong view of Rav Hai Gaon and the Rambam and others not to make a bracha on Hallel at the Seder, even though there are those like the Ramban who disagree. But according to the view that we don't have a bracha on Hallel at the Seder, so by saying Hallel after Shol, we're able to make a bracha on that Hallel. And since we don't stop in the middle and we don't say it as a form of Shira at the Seder, so it's a regular Hallel of Kriya, so we make a bracha on that Hallel on the Seder night in Shol. Now, there was a lot of discussion between Rab Chaim and Rab Velvel over the Hallel in Shol, and a a lot of this ties in with Rab Velvel's analysis in this piece. So in one of the Brisker Haggadahs, Mibes Levi, on page 65, he quotes that Rab Chaim was a big believer in saying Hallel after Shul on the Seder night. So this Hallel was very controversial. The Shulchan Arach in Simon Tuf Pei Zion ruled to say the Hallel with a bracha, and the Ramah said that the Ashkenazi practice is not to do so. So that was the basic custom that the Svardim did say that Hallel, and the Ashkenazim skipped that Hallel. But there were a lot of Ashkenazi towering Gedolim who did say that Hallel. So that seems to have been the custom of the Vilna Gaon, even though it's not totally clear, but Reb Moshe and the Igris Moshe are Chaim Chelek Bey's Simen Tzadi Dalit writes that according to the Vilna Gaon, you say that Hallel in Shol, and that's why it's popular in Israel, because a lot of those communities were founded by students of the Vilna Gaon, so they started saying that Hallel in Shol. The Tshuva Me'ava, who was a student of the Nodab Yehuda, so he also quotes in Chelek Aleph Simen Tzadi that the Nodab Yehuda used to say Hallel after Shol, even though the rest of the Shol would go home. So his community in Prague followed the Ashkenazi custom not to say that Hallel. So the Nodab Yehuda didn't change the city custom, but he himself would say Hallel. And the Chasim Sofer also would say Hallel by himself. So there were a lot of exceptions of Ashkenazi Gedolim who did say that Hallel. And it seems that Rab Chaim also said that Hallel. So in the Haggadah, it explains his reasoning because Rab Chaim felt that the Hallel at the Seder is a totally different type of Hallel than the rest of the Hallels that we say during the year. And on the Seder night, he felt that we're obligated to say both types of Hallels. So not only do we say Hallel at the Seder because we're reliving the Exodus, but we also have to say the regular Hallel of Yantif, which we're going to do the next morning. But on Pesach, there's a Halacha to do so at night as well. That's one of the key differences between the Hallel of the Seder and every other Hallel that we say it at night. Generally, we never say Hallel at night. So Rab Chaim felt that Hallel at the Seder has two components. One is that on Pesach, we say Hallel not only in the day, but also at night. And second is because we're reliving the Exodus. So that's why there needs to be two different Hallels on the Seder night. One as a regular fulfillment of Hallel, so that we do in Shul, and then we go home and say it again at the Seder because we're reliving the Exodus. Now, Reb Velvel disagreed with Reb Chaim about this, and he felt that even though there are two components to Hallel on the Seder night, but both of them can be fulfilled together in the Hallel at the Seder. So this is an interesting situation where Reb Velvel, who was a Talmud Muvhak, a very, very devoted student of his 
father, Rab Chaim, and Rab Chaim's worldview, but in this situation they disagreed, and it's a tribute to both of them that Rab Chaim raised Rab Velvel to see the world as he did and to follow his perspective and learning, but Rab Velvel was an independent person who applied it in his own way. So this is the ideal way for a Talmud Muvhak really to take his Rebbe's legacy and further it. So this was the debate between Rab Chaim and Rab Velvel, whether one should say Hallel after Shul on the Seder night, and it ties into the whole analysis in this piece that the Hallel at the Seder is a totally different sort than the Hallel that we say ordinarily on Yantif. And the question is, at the Seder night, do we need another Hallel in order to fulfill that second obligation, or can they both be fulfilled with Hallel at the Seder? Now, Reb Velvel's nephew, Reb Yosef Dov, Reb Chaim's oldest grandson, so he also reports this basic debate, but he leaves it anonymous. So he doesn't tell us who Reb Chaim was debating with. At the beginning of Shiurim Lezecher Abamari, in the first piece, there's a long footnote where he gets involved in the issue of Hallel on the Seder night after Shul. And again, he reiterates that Reb Chaim believed in saying Hallel after Shul. And then he quotes that Reb Chaim had a debate with someone and again, he doesn't mention the name, but in light of the other tradition, it seems likely that this was Reb Velvel, that someone asked Reb Chaim, why do we need to say a second Hallel when we're going to say Hallel at the Seder? So Reb Chaim answered, because the Hallel in the Seder is because we're leaving Egypt, we're reliving it, but it's not the Hallel of Yantif. So Reb Yosef Dov explains Reb Chaim's view a little bit differently than we just said it, that there are two reasons to say Hallel on the Seder night. One is, again, because we're reliving the redemption, and the second is because it's Yantif. But then he adds that according to Reb Chaim, it makes sense to say the Hallel of Yantif before we say the Hallel at the Seder in order to be able to fulfill that component on its own. And in addition, because since Yantif's already started and we have a mitzvah to say Hallel now, so we might as well get to it and not wait till much later in the Seder. The Hallel of the Seder, we don't get to until later because that's the way the Seder is ordered. But the Hallel of Pesach, we already have an obligation to say as soon as Pesach starts, so we might as well say it. So according to Rabbi Yosef Dov's explanation, Rabbi Chaim's approach is even more sharp. Rabbi Chaim agrees that you could fulfill both components of the Hallel together at the Seder, but even so, Rab Chaim believes it's better to split them up and to first do the Hallel of Yantif followed by the Hallel at the Seder because we're reliving the Exodus. So this is a sharper formulation. It's superior to the first one. The only reason I began with the first one is because it identifies that Rab Velvel and Rab Chaim were debating it, whereas Rab Yosef Dov keeps it anonymous. Now, in the Sefer Nefshar Rav about Rab Yosef Dov Salavechik, so on page 183, he quotes that Rab Yosef Dov was also a big believer in the Hallel after Mariv, and he used to advise his students who were going to be rabbis in community that if they were able to change the custom of the community and add in Hallel after davening on the Seder night, so then that was better to do because he really considered that to be the proper halacha. So unlike the Nota Yehuda who said Hallel by himself but didn't change the custom of the city, Rabbi Yosef Dov believed that if you could get the Shul to agree to add in that Hallel, then it was better to do.
to do so. Now, in the Sefer Mipnine Harav, also about Rabbi Yosef Dov Salavechik, so he adds to the tradition in Nefesh Harav, and he quotes the debate between Reb Velvel and Reb Chaim. So Rabbi Yosef Dov did report orally, even though he didn't put it in his Sefer, but he did tell his students orally that Reb Chaim used to say Hallel after Shul on the Seder night, and Reb Velvel did not, and he would leave the Shul when they were saying Hallel because he believed that it was unnecessary to say an additional Hallel in line with the Ashkenazi practice that the Ramah records. Now, in the Sefer Nefesh Harav, he quotes that there is another tradition that Rab Chaim did not say the Hallel after Shul on the Seder night. So there are others who also question this whole tradition, whether Rab Chaim actually said Hallel, and according to them, Rab Chaim, like Rab Velvel, did not say that Hallel. Now, first of all, it seems unlikely that Rab Yosef Dov, who knew a lot about the brisker traditions, would have been wrong on this point. So it seems more likely that Rab Chaim did say it, and that the mistake is the other way. But also, there's a safer from Rab David Salavechik on Drush and Agada, and on page 475, he criticized is the report in the Haggadah Mibes Levi, but what he's upset about is that in that Haggadah it tells a story that Rab Chaim told his sons to say Hallel after Shul on the Seder night, and Rab Velvel refused, and Rab Chaim got angry at him. So Rab David Salavechik is very upset about this point that it says that Rab Velvel got Rab Chaim angry and totally ignored what he was saying. And he says that he got sick for a few days after reading this because it's such chutzpah to say about Rab Velvel, who took his father's opinion so seriously. But even Reb David does not dismiss that there was a debate. He's just saying that it was a respectful debate. So both Reb David and Reb Yosef Dov, both grandsons of Reb Chaim, have this tradition that there was a debate between Reb Chaim and Reb Velvel. Reb Chaim and Reb Yosef Dov used to say Hallel on that night whereas Rabbi Velvel did not. Now, in the Sefer Shoroshe Minag Ashkenaz from Rabbi Yamin Shlomo Hamburger, and he's the main historian about the customs of German Jewry, so he knows a tremendous amount about that. So in volume one of Shoroshe Minag Ashkenaz, page 265, he has a long article about the issue of Hallel after Mariv on the Seder night, and his main point is to argue in favor of the German custom not to say that Hallel. So the German Jews followed the ruling of the Ramah to skip that Hallel, and Rabbi Hamburger is arguing in favor of that, and he presents the side that Rab Chaim did not say that Hallel like Reb Velvel. But again, we've presented the other opinion that Rab Chaim did say the Hallel and Reb Velvel did not. So anyone that's interested in this issue further can look in Rabbi Hamburger's discussion and find all sorts of sources and material. Now, just to put this in broader context, there were a few different minhagim that Lithuanian Gedolim had when they came to Eretz Yisrael and found that people said that extra halal after Mariv. So the Chazon Isha's custom, presumably after he came to Eretz Yisrael, was to say the halal but without a bracha. And Reb Shmuel Salant, who was the Rav of Yerushalayim for about 70 years, so his practice was also to say the halal, but not everyone made a bracha, only the Chazon made a bracha on behalf of everyone. So those are different ways of trying to adapt 
adapt the minhag to say that extra halal without everyone making a bracha. So Rab Chaim and Rab Velvel are on different sides of the extreme. Rab Chaim fully accepted the custom to say that extra halal with a bracha. Rab Velvel, even after he moved to Eretz Yisrael, refused to say that halal. And in the middle, the Chazon Ish said the halal, but without a bracha. And Rab Shmuel Salant had a similar version of that. So this is all a very interesting discussion and obviously a practical issue. And it all relates to the analysis in this piece in Chidush Moran Riz Halevi about the nature of halal at the Seder. That it's a different halal than normal. It's not reciting the halal, but it's reliving Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and that includes Shira. So to commemorate that and relive it, we also say Shira at the Seder night. And the question is, how does the halal after Mariv fit into that overall framework? So that's in terms of the issue of the extra halal on the Seder night. Now, Reb Velvel's key conceptual point in this piece is that there are two different types of halal. One is Kriya, to recite it, and the other is Shira, to sing it after a miracle. So Reb Velvel's student, Reb Aryele Pamaranchik, in his Sefer Emek Bracha, has a long piece on this called Halal al Hanes, Halal on a Miracle, which begins on page 122, and he quotes two traditions that he heard from his Rebbe, Reb Velvel. Neither of them is in the Sefer, but both of them relate to the discussion in this piece. So the first idea that he quotes from Reb Velvel is that the Pasuk in Halal says, Hallelujah, Hashem kol goyim, that the non-Jews, the nations of the world should praise Hashem because he saved the Jews. So it seems backwards. Why would they praise Hashem for having saved the Jews from them? So the Gemara explains that the non-Jews should praise Hashem, agvuros vaniflos the ovid bahadaihu, for the good things that he did to them. So certainly the Jews should praise Hashem for what he does to them. So according to the Gemara, there's some missing words in this Pasuk. It means that the non-Jews praise Hashem for the good that he does for them, and the Jews should learn from there to certainly praise Hashem. So that seems to be the Gemara's explanation, and it makes good sense. But Rashi explains the Ovid Bahadaihu that the good things the Gemara is referring to is the things Hashem does for the Jews. So now we're back to the question, because the Gemara seems to be saying that the non-Jews should praise Hashem for the goodness that he does to the Jews, and the question is, why would they be praising Hashem and not the Jews? So Reb Velvel explained that there are two types of brachas that we make to praise Hashem. One is called a birkas hashvach, we praise Hashem for the good things that he's created. So for example, on mountains or on the oceans, when we behold the wonders of nature, so we praise Hashem. And then there's a birkas hoda'a, which is that we express gratitude to Hashem for the good things that he does for us. So if someone has a miracle or they're saved, they make hatova hametiv in gratitude for what Hashem did to them. So that's how Rab Velvel explained what the Gemara means according to Rashi. That when Hashem saves the Jews, so the non-Jews should make a birkas hashvach to praise Hashem for what he's done in the world, even though they themselves did not directly benefit. But when they behold the greatness of Hashem, so they should give him praise. And meanwhile, the Jews should certainly praise Hashem and express their gratitude for having saved them. 
So Rab Velvel articulated these two different types of praise. One is for beholding the salvation of someone else, and one is the recipient themselves has an additional reason to express their gratitude to Hashem. So now based on this insight, which is very similar to the idea in this piece, so the Bracha builds on this, and he develops a whole framework for understanding the holiday of Hanukkah. There are two miracles of Hanukkah. One is that the Jews defeated a much more powerful military in war. And the second was the miracle of the oil that one jar, which should have burned for one night, burned for eight nights. So the Bracha asks the question, why when the Gemara describes Hanukkah, does it only mention the miracle of the oil? It says nothing about the war. Whereas in the Alanisim that we add into davening, it's the opposite. It only mentions winning the war and says nothing about the oil. So why is there this split? So based on Rab Velvel's insight, the Emek Bracha develops this much further and explains all sorts of details in the holiday of Hanukkah. And I'm not going to go through all the details because that would take us very far off from Rab Velvel, but the basic idea is really based on Rab Velvel's view. He says that when Hashem does something good for the Jews, so he calls that tovos Hashem, that he helps and saves the Jews, so we are required to give hodah. We have to express our gratitude to Hashem for saving us. But that salvation can be done in a natural way. It does not have to be supernatural. If Hashem does something which is a clear miracle, so that requires shira. So there's an element of song which is required when there's a miracle that's performed. So according to the Emek Bracha, the halal after a miracle requires two elements. One is that Hashem saves us, so there has to be a practical benefit. That's called tovos Hashem. And second, that there's an open supernatural element to the miracle, which is called gvuros Hashem, the might of Hashem. And if both of those conditions are met, so then there's an obligation of halal. So now, very brilliantly, he analyzes the two miracles of Hanukkah. Winning the war was a miracle that had a practical benefit because the Jews were saved, and there was also a miraculous component to it. Now, this point is debatable because winning the war could be seen as a natural miracle, not a supernatural, but the Amek Bracha calls it a supernatural miracle. As opposed to the miracle of the oil, which was clearly a supernatural miracle, even more so than winning the war. But the miracle of the oil did not have a practical benefit. In what way did it save the Jews physically? So that miracle could not have required Hallel because it was missing the practical benefit, the Tovos Hashem. So now this very brilliantly explains why the Gemara and Al-Hanisim focus on different miracles. When the Gemara asks, my Hanukkah, the question is, why did the rabbis establish Hanukkah, meaning primarily the lighting of the candles? So obviously that mitzvah is to remember the oil miracle. So that's why the Gemara focuses on the miracle of the oil, and it says nothing about the war. As opposed to Al-Hanisim, which we say in the part of davening about Hoda'ah, which expresses gratitude, and that cannot be for the miracle of the oil because there was no practical benefit to that miracle. It was a spiritual benefit, but if it's not practical, then it doesn't require hoda'ah. So that's why
why the Al-Hanisim focuses only on the miracle of winning the war. So this is a very nice analysis. The one issue is that the Gemara does mention Hallel, even though it's been talking about the miracle of the oil, not the miracle of the war. And according to the Emek Bracha, the reason we say Hallel on Hanukkah is to remember the military victory, which had both components of Tovos Hashem and Gvuros Hashem. It was an open miracle in order to save the Jews. So there are some issues in the details, but overall, this is a very brilliant framework how to analyze Hanukkah, how to think about the different historical events that happened, and how we remember those different miracles. So this insight of the Emek Bracha takes the ideas of Rab Velvel from this piece and applies them to get to the heart and soul and analyze the different events of Hanukkah and how to understand what we're commemorating. So even though there are some differences in the details between the Emek Bracha and Rab Velvel, but the overall outlook is very similar. Now, interestingly, the Maharal has a sefer discussing Yitzias Mitzrayim and Pesach called Gvuros Hashem. And in Perak Samach Beis, he also discusses the issue of making a bracha on Halal at the Seder. And he quotes Rav Hai Gaon that Rav Velvel analyzed that said not to make a bracha. But the Maharal explains Rav Hai Gaon's approach very much in line with the Amic Bracha's overall framework. That there's a difference between Halal, which is recited on the miracle in the moment, versus Halal, which is a way to remember the miracle. So the way the Maharal explains what Rav Haigon is saying is that ordinarily we recite Hallel because we were commanded to recite Hallel on that day. Those are the 18 days that the rabbis instituted Hallel. At the Seder, we don't say Hallel because we're commanded to, but rather the way the Haggadah formulates it, it's lefichach anachnu chayavim lahodos. Because of the great miracle that we're reliving, so the Hallel comes up on its own and we feel the need on our own to praise and thank Hashem. So we end up saying Hallel in order to recognize and celebrate the night, but not because we're commanded. So if we made a bracha, it would look like the Hallel was commanded like all the rest of the Hallels. Whereas the Hallel of the Seder night is something that's organic. We choose to do it on our own in recognition of the great miracle that we're reliving and therefore we don't make a bracha. So this is a little bit of a different formulation than the way Reb Vel said it, that there's a difference between Halal of Kriya and Halal of Shira, the Maharal is focusing more on the fact that the Halal at the Seder is because we're reliving the miracle, which is like the way that the Emek Bracha formulates it. Now, the Maharal himself disagrees with Rav Hai Gaon, and he has three arguments against Rav Hai. First, he says, even if the Halal is organic, and we're choosing to do so on our own, but we're also commanded. So it doesn't have to be either or. It could be organic as well as commanded, so we make a bracha. Second, argues the Maharal, even if the halal is organic at the Seder, that's talking about a halal in the heart. It's an internal thought-based halal. So we think about the fact that we praise and thank Hashem. But we don't necessarily need to say it in words, whereas the rabbis instituted that it has to be said in the form of halal. 
So we could make a bracha on the recitation of Hallel, even though the organic Hallel in our hearts happened on its own. So that's his second argument. And then third, the Maharal argues that we can always recite the Hallel anytime we're overwhelmed by a miracle that Hashem has done for us. So anytime we feel those overpowering feelings of gratitude, we can say a Hallel. It doesn't necessarily need to be at the Seder night, but the rabbis instituted that we must recite Hallel at the Seder night. So we could make a bracha on the recitation of Hallel because even though the Hallel is organic, but the rabbis said that it must be recited on the Seder night as opposed to other times when we can choose to do so or not. So those are the Maharal's three arguments against Rav Hai Gaon's approach. And based on that, he agrees with the Ramban to make a bracha on Hallel at the Seder night. And the Maharal reports that that is the common practice in his community that the custom was to make a bracha on Hallel at the Seder. Now that is not the common practice nowadays. Most people do not make a bracha on Hallel at the Seder in line with the Rambam and Rav Hai Gaon. So that is our general practice. So that's some of the Maharal's ideas on this whole issue. Now there's one final tradition that the Amik Bracha quotes from Rab Velvel in the name of his father, Rab Chaim, which is just worth mentioning here. Rab Chaim raised an interesting issue. Let's say a prophet would come and tell us that the Jews are are going to be saved by Hashem. So can we say Hallel before the actual salvation? Because we know that it's certainly going to happen because a prophet said that it's going to happen. Or do we need to wait until the salvation practically happens before we can say the Hallel on the miracle? So Rab Chaim explained that that's the meaning of the Pasuk in Tehillim. I believe in your mercy, Hashem. My heart rejoices in your salvation. So this is a case where the person knows that they're going to be redeemed. They totally believe in the coming salvation of Hashem, but it hasn't happened yet. So that's why the next Pasuk says, Ashir al-Hashem ki gamal alai. I'll sing to Hashem because he did goodness for me. Meaning you only sing to Hashem after the actual salvation happens, not in anticipation of the miracle. So this is a very cute interpretation of these Psukim in Tehillim from Rab Chaim. And the point is that Shira can only be recited when Hashem actually saves the person. So that inspires them to sing a song of gratitude of Hallel. But before that, even though a person is a great Balbitachon, they firmly believe in the coming salvation of Hashem, but that's a different type of relationship with Hashem and it does not require or allow for Shira until after the salvation.